Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to see everyone here tonight. Always so good to see all of you. Amen. Let's all stand. We look forward with expectancy, seeing what God has in store for us tonight. Amen. God is here. And so are we. All in the same place. That's where great things can happen. I pray that faith would be released tonight. That expectancy uh, would soar a little bit. That our eyes of faith would be opened a little bit wider. Amen. Some of us are tired. It's midweek. I get it. But uh, spiritually, we can be alive and fresh and, and new. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited to see what God has in store. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a wondrous, glorious Savior. We heap glory, we heap honor, worship, and praise under the Most High tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We laud and we magnify our Creator, our Redeemer, our Lord and our God. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've afforded us this evening to enter into the presence, the very throne room of God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that we would avail ourselves tonight of this opportunity, that we would not esteem it lightly, that we would not take it for granted. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome opportunity. What a high honor and privilege we have tonight to be able to enter into the very presence of our Creator. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You have in store for us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that Your will, Your desires, Your plans, Your goals would be manifest here tonight. That You would assume control of this service from this point forward. Because You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. That You would speak. And that You would speak the whole counsel of God. That we would receive the word of truth with joy and with gladness and with thanksgiving of heart. Giving glory and honor to the Lord our God tonight. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. Amen. Our scripture text is going to be found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. Philippians chapter 1. And verse 20. That passage of Scripture says this, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Amen. We see numerous exhaustive examples in Scripture, Old Testament and New. Certainly, we see Jesus Christ operating this way. We see the apostles operating this way. They seem to be fearless. They seem to be very courageous. They seem to operate with, with a holy boldness. And that's something to be desired, I think. That's something that, that, that if we don't have it, it should be sought after. Uh, but I know people who are very bold, but that boldness will never accomplish anything for Jesus Christ. Uh, 
I guess another way to, to coin that kind of boldness would be jerk. <clears throat> that kind of boldness isn't going to help anyone. I mean, there are, there are people who are, who are very bold. They'll tell you their opinion. They'll tell you what's right and wrong. And who cares what anyone else thinks? Sometimes that's a good trait to have. But in the wrong place and in the, the possession of the wrong person, now that doesn't do a whole lot. So we, we need boldness, certainly the boldness the apostles had, the boldness Jesus had, to speak and to preach and to, to act according to the will of God, no matter what the opposition. We need that boldness. But there are a few uh, boundaries, perhaps, a framework in which we want, to, we want to place that boldness tonight. And when we operate boldly within that framework, I think God can do great things. Amen. So our topic tonight is going to be boldness. But, boldness, but, amen. This account that I'm about to read is, by all accounts, a true story of something that happened just a few years ago at the University of Southern California. This was posted just about a week ago. It says this, there was a professor of philosophy who was, and I promise you this is not a message on apologetics, although this is going to seem like it. <clears throat> We're going a different direction tonight. There was a professor of philosophy who was a deeply committed atheist. His primary goal, which is in my mind an oxymoron, why would you be so deeply zealous and committed to that? Anyway, his primary goal for one required class was to spend the entire semester attempting to prove that God couldn't exist. Can you imagine paying good cash money for a class like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? His students were always afraid to argue with him because of his impeccable logic. For 20 years he had taught this class and no one had ever had the courage to go against him. Sure, some had argued in class at times, but no one had ever really gone against him. Nobody would go against him because he had a reputation. At the end of every semester, on the last day... He would say to his class of 300 students, If there is anyone here who still believes in Jesus, stand up. In 20 years, no one had ever stood up. They knew what he was going to do next. He would say, Because anyone who does believe in God is a fool. If God existed, he could stop this piece of chalk from hitting the ground and breaking. Such a simple task to prove that he is God, and yet he can't do it. And every year... He would drop the chalk onto the tile floor of the classroom and it would shatter into a hundred pieces. All of the students could do nothing but stop and stare. Most of the students were convinced that God couldn't exist. Certainly a number of Christians had slipped through, but for 20 years they had been too afraid to stand up. Well, a few years ago there was a freshman who happened to get enrolled in the class. He was a Christian and had heard the stories about this professor. He had to take the class because it was one of the required classes for his major, and he was afraid. But for three months that semester, he prayed every morning that he would have the courage to stand up, no matter what the professor said or what the class thought. Nothing they said or did could ever shatter his faith, he hoped. Finally, the day came. The professor said, if there is anyone here who still believes in God, stand up. The freshman stood up. 
The professor and the class of 300 people looked at him, shocked, as he stood up at the back of the classroom. The professor shouted, You fool! If God existed, he could keep this piece of chalk from breaking when it hit the ground. He proceeded to drop the chalk, but as he did, it slipped out of his fingers, off his shirt cuff, onto the pleats of his pants, down his leg, and off his shoe. As it hit the ground, it simply rolled away unbroken. The professor's jaw dropped as he stared at the chalk. He looked up at the young man and then ran out of the lecture hall. The young man who had stood up proceeded to walk to the front of the room and share his faith in Jesus for the next half hour. 300 students stayed and listened as he told of God's love for them and of his power through Jesus. Amen. I've always admired boldness in people. I've never considered myself to be especially bold and and fearless, especially when it comes to sharing opinions or arguing points that, quite frankly, I don't really care about a whole lot. Uh, but there are people, uh, good friends of mine, uh, they'll argue anything. They don't care. Uh, they, they don't care if they care. Uh, they'll just argue. They love arguing. And uh, in, in some aspects, I kind of admire that. People who share their opinions, people who do certain, people who are so sure of themselves. I got to share this. Maybe someone can relate. You know, when I'm driving, I'm pretty sure I know where to go most of the time. But my wife is more sure. I'll be going straight. No, 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 you need to turn left here. Turn. I'm like, oh, she seems so confident. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I'll turn left. Nope. No, we should have went straight. And she gets me every time because she's so confident. She's so sure. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. All right. I'm not as sure as you are. But, anyway. So I keep going because I'm already in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> no. Less, there you go. <laughs> Love the sinner, hate the sin. Um. But people who are so confident, they'll just get up and they'll they'll share their opinion, and they're it's just like, wow. I mean, that doesn't sound right, but boy, he's really sure of himself. People who are able to just enter a room and approach someone they've never met, strike up a conversation. They're confident. They're bold. I've always admired that in people. I. I can get myself to do that, but it's very not me. Uh, I'm not confident in those situations. In Scripture, we find plenty of examples. In John 7:26, But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Speaking of Jesus. Jesus spake boldly. After he got done with the Sermon on the Mount, the testimony of the crowd was, 
He speaks with authority. Not as the scribes. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. We know that the apostles spake boldly, confidently, fearlessly, in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 4.29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That prayer was answered in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So the apostles prayed for boldness. That they would be able to speak the word with boldness. And God mightily answered their prayer. Acts 9.27 Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Of course, referring to the Apostle Paul. A couple of verses later, verse 29, he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Acts 13.46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Paul and Barnabas spake boldly to the Jews. Acts 18.26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Speaking of Apollos. Acts 19 and 8. He went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. They spake boldly in the synagogue. The Apostle Paul is very bold toward the saints in the church at Corinth. I didn't list any scriptures, but there are several in First and Second Corinthians. Ephesians six nineteen and 20. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Here we see, one, that we should declare the Word of God with all boldness. And two, speaking boldly, is the proper way for us to speak as an ambassador of Christ. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Philippians 1.14 And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay, so here we see that boldness, at least one aspect of it, is speaking the word of God without fear. Why would we fear when we speak the word of God? Why would we not be confident when we're speaking to someone about the Lord, about the Word of God? Well, there are a few reasons, right? That we'll get into in a little bit later. First Thessalonians 2.2 2, But even after that we had suffered before and went shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. We should speak the Word of God boldly even in the face of opposition. Maybe especially in the face of opposition. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are to approach God's throne of grace boldly. Okay, so what do we mean by bold? What do we mean by boldness? 
What does it mean biblically? The Greek word is parousia, meaning outspokenness, frankness, plainness, openness to the public, courage, confidence, fearlessness. All of those things. Does that sound like something a child of God should experience? I think so. Our application of this concept, though, sometimes gets in the way of what God means it to be for us. We think of boldness as giving someone a piece of our minds. You know, when I, uh, when I get most bold this way is when I'm angry. It seems like when I get angry, then all the inhibitions drop off. And I can speak boldly. But is that the kind of boldness we're talking about? No, it's not. No, it's not. We're being bold when we let someone know they're wrong or what they're supposed to be doing. Now, there's a time and a place for that, surely. But there's also a time and a place to not do that. We're being bold when we use the Word of God to beat someone into submission. Preaching the Word. What's our motivation? What's the motivation behind our boldness? Our motivations really do matter. We've talked about this before. Am I motivated by a fear of loss or by the hope of gain? Am I serving Jesus because He's given me all of these things and all of these benefits and all of these blessings and I don't want to lose them. I know people that pay their tithes and offerings because of that. They'll never set foot in a church. I don't know them personally, but I've heard several stories, several accounts. People that pay their tithes and offerings to a church never set foot there. I don't know what they think about God, but they do know one thing about the Bible. When I pay my tithes and offerings, my finances are blessed. So they'll pay them. Am I motivated by how I feel or by what the Word of God says? What are my motivations? When I feel like praying, when I feel like worshiping, boy, I can get into it. But when I don't, when I'm a little under the weather, when I'm really tired, stressed, The more I uh, that's not the right way to say it. The longer I live for God, and a lot of you have lived for God longer than I have, so I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But I have discovered something recently, and it's 
It's amazing to me. I have discovered that when I come to the Lord when I don't feel like it, when I'm tired, when I really don't want to, when I got all these, should I say excuses or should I say reasons? Yeah, they're the same, right? Really. Why I, I really don't need to pray right now. I find it a whole lot more fulfilling experience overall. I can, I can get in touch with God a lot quicker and a lot more powerfully when I don't feel like it. And here's another thing I've learned. I've known this for a while, though. I need God more when I think I don't need Him at all. That's when I need Him the most. When things are going great, I feel great in my body, I got the day off, I got some money in the bank, what am I going to do? Whatever I want to do. It's just a great day. Sun's out, it's warm, 86 degrees, a slight breeze. That's a perfect day if you're not working outside. Then I'm tempted to skip prayer, skip my Bible reading, just get into the day. There's a lot to do. Because things are going so good. I've discovered the hard way. I better spend some extra time that day. Because when things are going wrong and the storm is raging... Things are very clear. They're clear cut. I need God and I need Him right now. Because I got this 100 ton weight on my chest. And I, I can't get it off. God's got to get this thing off. I can't even breathe. Figuratively speaking. So the need is clear. Everything's clear. But on Easy Street, nothing seems very clear. It's kind of nebulous. It's kind of directionless. That's why in some ways, I think, I think we ought to... I know this is going to sound weird, but in some ways, persecution is really good for the church. I know it's not good for anything here, but spiritually, spiritually it does all kinds of things for us. It clarifies things. It makes things real cut and dried. Today, with all of these freedoms, we, do, we have a lot of freedoms yet. <clears throat> Still the best country in the world. We can choose to do whatever we want. But there are other countries. If you're in the church... You are in the church. If you say yes to Jesus, you said yes all the way through. You laid down your life the moment you said yes to Jesus. There are Christians in our churches, our UPCI churches today. If it ever came to that, I think they'd walk right now. Not everyone, thank God. But I think there are those that do exist in our churches that came between Jesus and their lives, I think they'd walk. 
That's our churches today. We got the whole spectrum. It's so much easier. It's so much more cut and dried. It's black and white. Not these shades of gray. And that's what we'll be coming. <clears throat> it will be coming. Am I motivated by personal considerations or by the considerations of others? What are my motivations for serving God? What are my motivations for speaking to someone about God? What are my motivations for acting in the name of the Lord? They are important. Boldness in and of itself is not enough and may even get you in a lot of trouble. The sons of Sceva were very bold. They were bold to cast out those demons, weren't they? But it didn't work out. Boldness wasn't enough. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, if you look in the book of Numbers, they came out against Moses. You take too much on yourself, Moses. God speaks to us too. We're just as good as you are. They were very bold to speak out against the man of God. But that didn't work out for them either. God swallowed them up alive. Saul of Tarsus was very bold to make war against the church of God. Oh, but things worked out for him. He was chosen of God. Acts 9, 15 and 16, this is the Lord speaking to Ananias. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. But then verse 16 comes in. For I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. We need boldness. But that boldness must be framed within the boundaries of God's will. God will always give us some operating parameters within which to operate. For example, and this is an easy, ridiculous one, just to make the point. Let's imagine, if you will, Bishop's sitting here, he's on the district board. How would it go over, Bishop? I called up Brother Booker and started telling him, God's been talking to me about Wisconsin, Brother Booker, and this is what you need to start doing. Waxing bold. Who knows? Maybe the Lord is sharing something. But is... is <laughs> That's because you guys are spiritual. <laughs> but as for me, I'd be scared to death. After I came into my right mind, I'd be scared to death. I don't have authority there. That's Brother Booker's purview. That's the church, that's the district board's purview. That ain't my purview. I have no business in that. So me being bold in that area 
I'm outside of my bounds, folks. I'm out of, I'm out of bounds here. But if I stay within the parameters God has given me, within those parameters, we can exercise our full power and authority. Amen. We can be very bold within those parameters. Our full power and authority is very extensive, by the way, spiritually speaking. Do I have authority over demons and devils? Can I operate within those parameters? Absolutely I can and should. Do I have authority to intercede for people? You better believe I do. Pray for someone to get healed. Take authority over all the works of the enemy. Absolutely we do. So within those parameters, I should be very bold. We should wax confident, fearless. Within those parameters, we should feel free to operate boldly and confidently toward the objective God has given us. As always, the objective is His objective, not ours. We exercise His power and authority for His purposes. Period. Never our own. Anything outside of those parameters is not within our purview and should be avoided, no matter how bold or confident we may feel. No matter what voices you're hearing, don't do it. Just don't do it. Stay away from it. If God has given you a set of parameters, a set of boundaries, stay in them. They are for your protection. They are for my protection. That's what holiness is all about. They are my protection. I thank God that He loves me enough to want to keep me safe. General parameters. Holiness. Prayer. Studying God's Word. That we might grow spiritually. Tithes and offerings. Submission to God. A relationship with God. All of these things we have, uh, we have authority to operate in. We are to do these things. We are to be holy. We are to pray. To study God's Word. To grow spiritually. We are to submit ourselves to God. When we do those things, we can be bold and we can be confident in them. Fearless in the pursuit of them. When I'm seeking to operate outside of these parameters, again, I really should be afraid of that. I should be afraid to step beyond that fence. Because there are awful things on the other side of that fence. We all have specific parameters as well. Everybody know what a personal conviction is. That's a conviction that I have that God gave me that you may not have. And vice versa. I know a lot of people, they want to preach those. They want to share them with others. I'm sorry, friend. God hasn't given that to me. I'm glad He's given that to you. There are specific things that are, again, for your protection. A good example of this is someone really likes the Steelers. God gives them a conviction against that. Amen. We'll pray that He does, Bob. 
<laughs> That's for Bob's protection. <laughs> Amen. But seriously, there are, there are people uh, that I came into church with. They were sports fanatics. They knew all the stats. I mean, they worshipped sports. And they got a conviction against that. I never got one against that because I never really had anything to do with them. I, I still don't. They just they don't do anything. I like playing them. I just don't really like watching them. But they got a conviction against that. So operate within the bounds of your personal convictions. Don't say, well, they don't have it, so I'm good too. Don't do that. Embrace those personal convictions. They're God's special gift to you because He loves you and He wants to, to keep you safe from those things. Embrace them. The ministry that God gave you. You ought to feel bold and, and confident and, and fearless operating within the parameters of the ministry that God gave you. That's your ministry. Specific commands from God. Rob, I want you to move to Aruba. Okay. Yes, Lord. I will obey. Barrow, Alaska. Uh, may you not be hearing that one right. <clears throat> I want you to speak to this individual about me. I want you to change careers. It could be anything that the Lord tells you. You should feel bold and fearless and confident obeying that. Why are we so afraid to do that? Why are we not confident to obey God? When we know, I know that especially when, well, for me, it's when I get a command that I want to do anyway. That's when it makes me nervous. Then I'm, I'm oh, is this you or is this me? I know when it's God because it certainly ain't me. I know that it's God. And it's not the devil. The devil's not telling me to talk to that person about God. The devil's not telling me to teach a Bible study. Uh-uh. No, that's God. But when it's something we don't necessarily want to do, why are we... I know why we're hesitant, but why sometimes are we afraid to do those things? Well, we know God told us to do this. God told us to go here. God told us to give this. We should be bold to do that. That's part of being bold, folks. Bold to obey. Bold to submit. Fearless. Confident. To do what God tells us to do. We are to be bold in our obedience. Our obedience to God. Again, when we obey God, God blesses us. The very best comes our way. 
God wants the very best for us. He's leading us in our, to our very best life. Best life now. Joel Olstein. I haven't listened to it. I wouldn't either. Um, I saw it on the thumbnail a little bit ago. Anyway. Um, <laughs> how did that happen? Um, we need to obey God. Well, I guess we don't need to. We have the choice to obey God. But folks, if I may speak freely, you're a dummy if you don't. And here's why. Here's why I say that. Because I want what's best for me. I assume you want what's best for you. My goal in life is to be a deadbeat, broke, and on welfare. That's my goal. I've never heard anyone say that. Not one. We want the best things. God is the way to the best things in life. Anyway. Boldness, but with love and tact. I know that back in the day, it was a thing, generally speaking. I don't think it was 100% pervasive, but I know it happened a whole lot more. Uh, visitor would come into church. Visitor would come in a second time, and they better be all cleaned up. If they're not, someone's going to let them know. I'm so thankful that there's no one here like that. We're going to let God clean people up. That's what I mean by beating someone into submission with the Word of God. Psalm 711, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Better start living right or God hates you. You don't want God hating you, do you? Get it cleaned up. God's going to judge you. I don't know how that worked back in the day, but I know it's, <laughs> it didn't. Well, it's definitely not going to work today. <clears throat> I don't understand that. Again, what's the motivation for speaking to someone like that? Why would someone speak to someone like that? That's not love. That's not compassion. That's not mercy or grace. Did Jesus speak that way to the adulterous woman? He could have. He was the only one who would be right and just in doing so. But He didn't. He didn't speak to sinners that way. What's the motivation behind that? Harshness? Legalism? A complete lack of grace and love and concern? 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Amen. The letter of the law is what the Pharisees were after. It's what Jesus spoke out so harshly against. You've left off the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, faith. These you ought to have done and not to have left the other undone. 
boldness, but with understanding and wisdom. What's the best way to communicate with someone? Well, the answer is it depends. It depends on the person, the personality, the person's experiences, their level of spirituality or growth. What is that person going through right now? Where are they at right now today in God? I mean, there are, there's a lot of questions that you could ask. How should I speak to someone? In some circumstances, with some people, the direct, bold approach might be very effective. I say this because I love you, sir. Uh, you need to stop doing that. It's going to kill you. And some people respond very well to that. Oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know. Other people would be freaked out. Why are you attacking me? There are certain ways to speak with certain people. And it isn't a one, one approach works with everybody. One size doesn't fit everybody. People are individuals. They're very unique. They go through unique circumstances, unique personalities. All of these things. And so, knowing this, we need to allow God leading us. God will lead us. God will give us wisdom. He'll give us understanding when we're speaking with people. Follow that. Listen to that. God knows exactly what the person needs. God knows the best way to deliver what that person needs. He may even choose the right person to do it. He'll use different people to communicate His will differently. Because they'll deliver the message differently. Some may speak very forceful, directly, no nonsense. Another may speak very softly, comforting, encouraging. Jesus used both of these tactics. He used other tactics when speaking with various people. If I can say it that way, tactics. So we've got to allow God to lead us. When we desire to speak boldly and confidently and fearlessly to someone, that doesn't always mean forcefully and bluntly. Uh, Brother Thacker we were sitting under him in River Falls for a while, and uh, he he would say this a lot. He'd say, you know, how you say things matter. I could say, when I look at you, time stands still. Or I could say, your face would stop a clock. <clears throat> Same thing, said very very differently. Different attitude behind it. Different spirit behind it. And so, how we say something matters. We want to be bold. We want to get the message across that needs to be delivered. But there are many ways to deliver it. And the best way is following the leading of the Holy Ghost. Discern how that person would best receive the message. Because why am, I, why am I delivering this message? It's for their benefit, right? It's not for my benefit. 
I already know this. I'm, I'm going to tell it to someone else. It's for their benefit. So if I just bleh, all over them, and then I've heard that before too. People get angry with people, argue with them about the Bible, and then turn around and praise God how persecuted they are. Well, eh, some of that's you though, right? A little bit. We've got to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost as we deliver His message. We want to deliver it His way. We've also got to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. If we are to be bold, if we are going to operate within the parameters God's given us, there are some things we have to know about us. Who are we? Why can I be bold in the first place? Why do I have this power, this authority? How far does it go? What can I do with it? What ought I do with it? Well, that all gets back to who I am in Jesus Christ. I am an ambassador. I am His child. I am to represent Him. I am to demonstrate Him to this world. Knowing that helps with this. If I don't have a clue who I am, I'm not going to know, be, be bold in what? Now I know what I can be bold in. I'm a child of God. I'm His ambassador. I represent Him. I am to reflect and to demonstrate Him to this world. Everything He did, I should do. We've got to understand the covenant promises we've been given. We have been given many exceeding great and precious promises in this new covenant. Promises concerning salvation. Promises concerning healing, deliverance, provision, restoration. Anything and everything we have need of. Anything and everything they have need of. Our needs are met in Jesus Christ. So when I encounter a need, I can be confident I can be bold and speak against that. Claiming that met in Jesus Christ. Do I need deliverance from something? I have it. I have deliverance in Jesus Christ. I have victory in Him. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to stew and fret. Will He deliver me from this? He already has. He already has. Philippians 1.20 again. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And this is the ultimate motivation, folks. Why am I bold to speak? Why am I bold to act? So that Christ will be magnified in my body. Christ will be glorified. 
whether it be by me living or by me dying. As long as He gets the glory, as long as it's according to His will and His plan, I can be bold in my death. I can be confident, fearless. When I meet my end, knowing that Christ shall be magnified in my body. May we be bold to serve the Lord Jesus Christ despite any opposition we may face. May we be bold to serve the Lord Jesus Christ no matter how we may feel or what we may lose. May we be bold to serve the Lord Jesus Christ because it pleases Him and with the purpose of giving Him glory. May we be bold in a biblical sense, operating within the parameters that God has given us with love and tact toward all men and with the understanding and wisdom that comes only from God. Amen. That's the kind of boldness we need, folks. Not just shouting in someone's face, not arguing a point, not trying to prove that I'm right and you're wrong, but boldness to serve Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth, to serve Him with all of our being, every part of us. When we're bold like that, folks, God can do anything He wants through us. When we're fearless and confident in Him, that when He tells us to do something, we're going to act on it fearlessly, confidently, When we read something in the Scriptures, I'm not doing that. I need to start doing that. And I pursue it with all my heart. I need to stop doing this. I stop doing it. Confident that the Lord is going to help me. Fearless that God is going to give me the victory. Nothing matters in my life. Good, bad, or indifferent. I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to be... When I get into a situation or a circumstance and I don't know what to do, we've all been there. We're all going to be there again. I just have no clue what I should be doing right now. There's, there doesn't seem to be any good answer here. There's no good paths to choose from. Take it to God. I don't have to be afraid in that situation. I can be confident that the Lord is going to lead me and guide me. He's going to order my steps aright. I don't have to be afraid. I get myself in a pickle. I get myself in a bad spot. I don't have to worry about it. Because God is going to provide all of my needs. If I'm serving Him, if I'm doing everything I can to to represent Him, and to obey Him, submit myself to Him, He's going to take care of me. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry. I don't have to doubt or stress or or fear. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to live in this constant state of of anxiety. I I just I truly don't understand that. And I'm not saying that arrogantly or, or braggadociously or anything like that. I just, I truly, knowing what I know about God, the promises that He has given me, all of you, 
I don't understand why people would be so fearful and so so anxious and, and stressed. I don't understand. All I do is give it to God. That's all I do. I mean, it's... If I can do it, so can anyone else do it. Just give it to God. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be stressed or anxious or worry. We can be confident. We can be bold. We can rejoice in the answer that's coming. Hasn't come yet. That's fine. I know it is. I'm confident that God is going to answer this. Because His Word says He will. So I'm not afraid. I'm not stressed. I'm not anxious. And no, that doesn't mean I'm not taking things seriously. It means I'm not anxious. I'm not stressed. I don't worry about it. He's got it. I'm going to... I know there are things that we need to do too, and I'm doing everything that I can do. Within my power. I understand all that. Can't sit on my bread and pray for bread when I can go out and get a job. Okay, I, I understand that. But after my strength is spent, after all my resources are gone, that's when God steps in. And He, he makes up the gap. He's, he takes care of the rest. So yes, I'm going to do everything I can according to the will of God according to the Word of God. But after that, it's good. Everything's good. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I don't want to spend one moment fearful or stressed or or discouraged or anything like that. I don't want to. Because God has been so good to me. He's He's blessed me so much. Everybody should experience that. Everybody. It's available to everybody. I'm confident in God. I'm bold in in Him. I speak the Word because He loves me. and He's got my back. No matter what happens, He's got me. If I'm in prison, praise God. Paul did great things in prison. Even in something like that, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. Well, they can kill me. Yeah, they can. But what does that accomplish? I made it. I made it home. That's the goal. That's the plan. I just get there a little bit earlier. I'm okay with that. It's like getting off work early. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Amen. We can be bold in Him, folks. We ought to be bold in Him. Pray for boldness. Pray for confidence, fearlessness. Give it to Jesus. Whatever you're stressed out about, fearful about, worried about, give it to Him. See what He'll do with it. I promise you. If He does at least as much with you as He did with me, you're going to be 
Mind blown. He's an awesome God. He is an awesome God. Let's all stand.